Okay. So this is, if we do this successfully, technology glitches aside, episode three of the Let's Talk Faith and Justice podcast from Boston Faith and Justice. And if you are watching the video, you notice there's a third head in the Zoom. If not, you will soon hear a third voice other than myself, Elizabeth and Ivy. So Maeve is our wonderful, fabulous, amazing, insightful, intelligent, wonderful intern who has been with Boston Faith and Justice for over a year, year now. Has it been over a year, maybe? No, not quite a year. It'll be a year, I think, in June, officially. Okay. I was thinking you came on sh- closer to when Ivy came on, but no. Okay. Got it. So June. So it's been over six months if we're going for the over. So um, Maeve is here to join us for a conversation that will begin in a minute, but we thought this was a good time since we're introducing a new voice and or head, depending on how you're enjoying this podcast, that we would ask sort of like an icebreaker question of Maeve and of ourselves. So the question is, and we'll let Maeve answer first because she is the brave youngest one among us. Uh, what poster did you have on your wall as a teenager recognizing for you this is the very recent past? And why did you admire and or want to have a poster of that person? So on my wall growing up, I had lots of posters of sea creatures. I had like a big sea turtle on my wall and all sorts of fish because I used to want to be a marine biologist. And so I really admired the ocean and I had pictures of it everywhere. Okay. I love that. I love picturing your aquatic room. (laughs) Awesome. Okay. So Ivy, how about you? Posters on your wall and why? Yes. So I had various different posters of different um, hip hop or rap artists, but I was obsessed with 50 Cent growing up. And I had a whole wall of my room with various different 50 Cent posters. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Okay. And what was the appeal? The music, the culture, the... Yeah, I guess the music and the culture, which I still do appreciate, but I'm more so geared towards um, Christian hip hop these days versus secular hip hop music. Okay, fair enough. And again, just to be fair, I will share uh, full disclosure, definitely Joey McIntyre of New Kids on the Block. This is where it's very clear that we are representing like three different decades, um, 20s, 30s and 40s, um, because New Kids on the Block was like big time in my middle and high school. So Joey and Joey McIntyre was obviously the best. If you don't agree, fight me. But um, the others and, and I admired his eyes. I mean, I don't even know. There's not really like admiration going on there. Just boy bands. And um, the other poster I had, which I thought I still had in my office, I was just looking for it. I know it's around somewhere and I've had it since high school was this page of a magazine that I cut out. It was of Mia Hamm, which again, I'm also dating myself there. And it was a poem, which I don't think was necessarily by her, but it connected with her playing soccer. And it was just about being a girl and being asked to do all these things that were typically girl things and and then a soccer ball being kicked it to you and realizing that you could dance on the field and all this. I played soccer forever. So, but just generally kind of bucking against those like feminine boxes that I was being put in. And so that really resonated. So I've kept that for, yeah, my high school days were a lot longer ago than Maeve. So <laughs> um, also just general introduction, Maeve is a junior at Gordon and that's where we found her or where she found us, depending on your perspective. so that is our general intro Maeve will sometimes be joining us and we're so excited to have her perspective and her voice yes so 
here we are on our third episode, and we're going to start talking about housing justice. As some of you may know, we have intentionally chosen to focus on two different areas of justice for this year, and housing justice is what we will be focusing on primarily towards the front end of the year. And so we just thought we would have a conversation between the three of us to, you know, put some insight and some thought together on what housing justice means to us, our experiences with it, before we move forward in bringing on various different guests that are working in the field or may have experience or expertise with housing and, um, quite frankly, some of the injustices that we tend to see. Um, and so we can just kick off and, and starting with, you know, generally how we became aware of the issue. Um, and, and I can go ahead and, and go first. I think, you know, for me, as I have shared with the BFJN community, I do a lot of work with youth justice in the city of Boston. And it became very apparent to me. You know, I was very familiar with a lot of the different families that were struggling with housing and finding things that were equitable for um, the wages or the income that they were receiving. But I think the issue became more prevalent when I was working on the ground um, more so last year. And I think it was with the heights of COVID as well that, that there was a large number of youth and young adults in the city of Boston that were experiencing homelessness. And that can look... Um, like couch surfing, which means, you know, you're sleeping on your aunt's couch one day and your friends the next and not really having a stable opportunity um, at housing. Although you do have a roof over your head, you're still considered homeless um, or those that may be sleeping in their car or outside. And so that to me really pulled a little bit more so on my heartstrings um, because I could never imagine, you know, for myself personally growing up um, experiencing homelessness as a young person. Uh, and so that's a lot of my interest in the issue and, and why I advocate for housing justice, because we all, as God's children, deserve safe and stable housing. Mm. Yeah, that's great, Ivy. Thank you. Um, for me, it's been a journey of learning and understanding. I'm someone who hasn't, um, who has a privilege of kind of not knowing about this area. I grew up relatively lower middle class, but like housing was never a concern, right? So um, I learned about it academically initially, but um, my first encounter with someone who had experienced homelessness was in high school and it was on a mission trip. And I just remember it so clearly, like the room we were in, the place I was sitting, um, where this gentleman was sitting, because he his story wasn't like what I thought of was like the typical or the stereotypical homeless person. He was a had been a businessman, had owned his business for a long time, had struggled with some addiction issues around alcohol, but it just like blew my little 16 year old mind to be like, no, I thought I knew this. I mean, as 16 year olds do you know everything. Um, but it, it was like a pivot for me. And again, like not something that I was like, oh, okay, from then on, I was an advocate for housing justice. That would be not telling the, the real story, but it was like one of those, like, um, benchmarks in my journey of understanding. Um, and then in college, when I was doing a um, semester in DC, one of um, the people who lived in our apartment building was from Eastern College, and she was part of the Simple Way community, which had recently been started um, by Shane Claiborne and a number of um, people at Eastern. And so she had this personal perspective on homelessness that I also kind of remember 
her explaining things to us and just talking us through like what it looked like to live in and around people who are homeless and or housing insecure um, in Philadelphia. So that was another marker. And then just kind of fast forward to BFJN. So I'm not telling a 15 minute story. Um, I've just learned so much from the people we've interacted with, um, whether it's organizations who are working within um, unhoused communities or people who have experience and knowledge and have just been generous to share. We did a series on housing injustice uh, with the uncomfortable conversations learned so much from that. We have a member of our board who's um, really engaged with this issue, and she's been a wonderful source of um, learning for me as well. So it's definitely been fits and starts. It's something I'm trying to be more faithful about, paying consistent attention to. And I say that's probably something I struggle with, is is consistently um, maintaining sort of an ongoing um, learning process around it, which is why I'm so excited that we're focusing on it as an organization for a period of time. I think that Will help and and why I think this conversation is very helpful because I think we're all I don't want to say different stages of a journey but we've approached it from different places and we have different um, things that have either caught our attention or ways in which we've learned and so hopefully that allows people to understand this doesn't all look one way the way you um, intersect with this issue and the way you kind of decide to be part of um, bringing about justice so that's my really long story. For me, um, I was just reflecting now that I grew up in New Jersey, just about 25 minutes outside of New York City. And I spent a lot of time in the city throughout high school, just going in for various field trips. Um, and there's obviously a, a large homeless population in the city. So I was exposed to that area of housing injustice from a very young age, just seeing homeless people on the street everywhere and wondering what I can do to help. So I don't know if it ever fully resonated with me, um, especially because I was so young. Um, but we would go in with my choir in high school and go just sing on the streets of New York at Christmas time and try and do things like that. Um, so that was really my first, I guess, exposure to the issue. But more recently, just in working at BFJN, I have done some of my own personal research on the issue because I was clearly very ignorant before as to just the nuance of it and how many different areas it intersects with. Um, so I've learned a lot through that, obviously through BFJN's uncomfortable conversations in the past have been helpful and past blog posts. I've done a lot of reading of those and in my own research. So that's kind of where I have encountered the issue. I'm definitely new on this journey to how we can help and what exactly housing justice looks like, but it's something I'm definitely interested in. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. So if we're thinking about this, and I feel like we've all touched on this a little bit in our answers, but if we wanted to share, like, what's one important thing we've learned along the way um, that we feel like either we want to keep exploring or would be helpful for, for people kind of just starting to engage with this issue to understand. And I can start with that. And now I'm like, what's one thing? What would be just one thing? But I think for me, kind of pulling at that thread of what I learned when I was young and encountering that, that gentleman. And um, it's just that housing justice, and maybe I think feel like you just touched on this too, it's not one thing, right? Like it's not, okay, this is a set of people who struggle with with housing and, and let's solve that because one, people aren't problems and that's really important. And I feel like I've learned that from organizations that I've been with. Like it's not just about solving a problem. It's about being entering into community. It's about understanding all of the intersections and all of that. So I would say nuance, that's the word you use, maybe I would say there's just so much nuance to it. and to not get overwhelmed by that and be like, okay, well, we can never fully understand all of it, but to, to just start engaging and, and see, um, see the issue 
for the reality that it is and then find ways to plug in. So I would just say that, that understanding that nuance exists and um, not being afraid of that. Yeah, I think for me, and this is something, Elizabeth, that you touched on a little bit about, you know, the gentleman that you were speaking of, it wasn't what you may think of as, you know, a typical person who struggles with homelessness, and that there really is no typical demographic, you know, homelessness can happen to anybody, Um, you know, whether it's, you know, the intersectionality, as Maeve had mentioned, of, you know, incarceration or substance abuse, but also, you know, I, I, I'm thinking about, you know, recently there was a fire um, in our, in the community that I live in and the family, you know, the house was completely destroyed. And so I, you know, had thought for myself, you know, in, in that, you know, that could happen at, at any point accidents happen. And if, you know, may not have, you know, um, different funds that you can utilize or, or resources that then you suddenly are experiencing homelessness and instability in your housing. And so I think that is one thing that I have learned and engaged. And I actually remember from the winter walk experience that um, you and I had the opportunity to partake in Elizabeth with some of our other friends at BFJN that, you know, that was another common theme and message of that whole, you know, fundraiser and raising awareness that there isn't a typical, you know, person or vision that we should have for homelessness or those that are experiencing homelessness because it truly can happen to anybody. Yeah, I just touching on. Sorry, sorry to cut you off, me. Um, but I think that also helps in reducing the stigma around homelessness as well. Yeah. Um, touching on what Ivy and Elizabeth both said, I think something for me that I've learned in my limited engagement with the topic has just been the intersectionality of the issue. Obviously, Ivy was talking about with um, incarceration, but I think also. With climate justice, it's really big. A lot of people are forced to leave their homes and they become homeless because of natural disasters or climate change. So I think that really it does intersect in a lot of ways. And I've learned about this in some of my classes here at Gordon, my environmental ethics class, we talked a lot about that. So that's something that I have definitely learned just the the wide reach of this issue and how it intersects with so many others. And also just in thinking about my own response in in this issue and navigating it, I think that it really calls us not only to live into what it means to truly love your neighbor um, and what that looks like in respect to this issue, but I think also just one of the key parts of BFJN's mission of radical generosity and how we are called in, I believe it's in Proverbs, Proverbs 19.17 says, whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and he will reward them for what they've done. So just living into that mission of radical generosity and helping those around us with the issue of housing justice in all of its various forms is something that I've learned and has impacted me. Yeah, that's, that's great. Thank you. It made me think of, I mean, both of the things you guys are touching on. Um, and again, going back to my summer in Washington where so much of my faith and justice ideas formed there, but um, first being introduced to the idea of environmental racism. And that's also just such an important area, I think, around housing justice, because 
whatever you can think of the big, bad environmental issue here, it generally is going to happen in poor neighborhoods and in neighborhoods of color. And then it's going to affect health outcomes. It's going to affect educational outcomes. It's going to affect the ability to um, accumulate generational wealth and all of these different things that affect property values and whatever. So again, just kind of reiterating that idea of intersectionality that we've all been touching on. Like there's so many different ways that housing is unjust and Mm -hmm what and consequently that what an engagement um being a donor an advocate and a volunteer could look like could just take on a lot of different shapes um because it does touch on so many different areas so yeah um okay so last thing if we are thinking about as this is just one conversation among many that we'll be having and have had but if there was um resources that we thought were important to share what what would be one or two of those um I'll ask you first Ivy yeah. Um, so in, you know, this topic, I've worked with various different organizations that uh, provide housing, you know, assistance or outreach or support to those that are, are homeless or going through different circumstances, especially as it intersects with the criminal justice system. So the there's an organization in Boston called Justice for Housing, um, and they do a lot of work, ex- especially with those that have Corey backgrounds and being able to, you know, get stable and safe housing and finances for that. Um, but also Friends of Homeless Boston is a great organization that does a lot of work um, supporting those that are unhoused and they accept various different donations and baskets that we've been, you know, blessed to be able to to bring forth to that organization that provides, you know, just a a basket of, of love. So you do put, you know, some different letters in there, but toilet paper and paper towels and regular, you know, towels after, you know, for, for a bath or, you know, different um, household essentials as the, the individuals that are moving from shelters into uh, secure secure housing. Um, And so that will be a first basket that they receive from those that, you know, have been thinking of them and praying for them in the community. So definitely those are two organizations that I would highlight. Uh, For me, I have, um, in my own understanding, just when I was researching homelessness in Boston in general, I was looking at just the Boston Housing Department, trying to get some numbers to understand what the severity of the issue. So I think that's somewhere you can start, even if you're listening from outside of the Boston area, just plugging into your local community and seeing what the issues are there and how you can help. So that's my first resource. And then I would also recommend looking back at previous BFJN Uncomfortable Conversations and blog posts to try and get an informed understanding of the issue because that's where a lot of mine has come from. So that would be another resource that I would point to that we have available. Hmm. Yeah, that's great. Um, For me, I'm thinking of, um, I tend to go to the books. Um, First and foremost, which is good and bad, I'm sure, Color of Law is a really foundational text when it comes to understanding like how we got to where we are as a nation in terms of housing and, and injustice. It's not a short book. So highly recommend it. But also if you go onto YouTube, there's like an a, like an eight minute primer that sort of gives you a really hot bird's eye view of, of it. I think if you just search like color of law, um, you could find that. And I think, again, it's just a great introductory, like why do things look the way they look? Why, why do we have the struggles that we have? And so much of it is unpacked in that book and, and in that video. And then an organization that I would highlight is um, Common Cathedral. 
It's an organization we've worked with a lot over the years. Um, they're a community of of, un, of the unhoused. They um, Common Cathedral has church on the Boston Common Sunday mornings. Every Sunday morning, rain, shine, snow, whatever. Uh, for I think it's coming up on twenty five years now, and it's a wonderful community to worship with. Um, but they also have um, warming centers or cooling centers depending on the season um, throughout the week. Do meals together, and again, it's an organization that has taught me a lot about um, what homelessness the effects of homelessness. Um, and also just, it's just a really great community to engage with. And there's a lot of different opportunities. If you want to either just go and be present with the community, that's something they welcome, but then also just different needs that can be met. Cause we all have kind of different strengths and passions and gifts to offer. And, and they have a wide variety of needs that you can check that out. So comcathedral.org, you could, you know, see if that fits. Um, all right. Any final thoughts on this initial conversation, if that's not an oxymoron? Final thoughts on the initial. Um, one thing I did just want to highlight and, you know, we'll be sharing about this more in the upcoming weeks and month. But as Elizabeth mentioned with books, we will be having a book club on um, housing. So if that's a way in which you want to engage with us, please stay tuned. Um, we'll be launching that in the month of April. And then, um, you know, as we're moving forward, if you are interested in, you know, additional resources or have experience expertise in the area of housing justice or have an organization organization in mind in which we can serve, please feel free to reach out and let us know. Yeah, that's great. That's a great thought. And that book that we're going to be reading, um, Grace Will Lead Us Home, which Maeve um, found for us, is also one that I'm just like, it's it's taught me so much. I've just read it through once so far, and it's not a super long book. So it's also a little bit more accessible, but there's just so many people doing such creative, innovative, thoughtful work that it it does provide hope because sometimes the more you look at this issue, the harder it seems. It's just, it can feel like this big insurmountable problem that no one is paying enough attention to. That's why I think it's important to engage with some of these organizations, read some of these books that really tell the story of, um, of resilience and creativity and innovation in addressing these injustices, and particularly around people of faith um, who really care deeply and are bringing um, that love of neighbor and the desire for the thriving of their community to bear on this very difficult issue. So yeah, I'm glad you highlighted that book and looking forward to reading that in community. So that is the end um, of episode three. I need like a little director's thing. <laughs> uh, and thank you. And we will see you in two weeks.